Alright. Nope. I was just saying that we've been recording for 26 seconds. That's bullshit. Anyway, folks, hello. Welcome back to the Senate Podcast. I have my main man, Scott Whitehead, with me. Uh, Scott's a good buddy of mine. We shot a match two together before. And uh, if you're in the Southeast and you've been to any two day PRS match, you know who Scott is. Scott is uh, he's a guy that's always on the hunt. And, um, and he, he is a wizard. So um, we're going to go ahead and get into a little bit about who you are, Scott. So, yeah. Um, good good go uh, ahead, talking man. to you. How you doing? Doing good, but hey, give us a uh, give us a little um, little intro about who you are, how you got into shooting, and uh, and then we'll get into more of what you're doing now. Well, um, I was always a contact sports person, played 11 years of football, did a lot of martial arts, uh, a lot of MMA, some cage fights, stuff like that. And um, I think I got to the point when I realized my body couldn't handle that anymore. Um, and uh, started doing hmm. some firearm stuff. That was probably got eight or nine years ago now. Um, started with pistol um, and moved through kind of the ranks of IDPA, USPSA, stuff like that. Uh, did some three gun work. And then found long range and, and um, I'm an engineer by trade. Um, I'm, a, I'm a race engineer. I work in NASCAR and um, I, I'm really analytical. Um, I'm really organized. I'm the kind of person who takes notes on everything I do. And Corey, gentlemen, is you're a typical engineer yeah, I guess because so. all of you guys, we talked about this before. All of you guys, all you engineers, I hate you all because I'm jealous of how all your brains work the exact same and mine works nothing like that and everything y'all do y'all come at everything at the same exact way and it, it's i can if i can talk to somebody for five minutes not know them i can tell them that you're, you're an engineer aren't you <laughs> i can always it's, tell it's perfectly suited for the long range game like everything we're taught and, and the way most engineers just naturally think the idea of taking notes being organized testing things in an organized manner all those things are all the things you need to do. And, you know, I mean, there's some people who go to school for an engineer to be an engineer. And there's some people who certainly could have been one, but maybe didn't go to school to be one. Whichever of those two categories you're in, uh, the, the, the testing and the, the methodology of how to get better at this sport um, is very clear. Uh, it's very straightforward. You collect data, you make observations and you you constantly working on uh the way you approach things um and that's just that's just kind of natural for an engineer uh, mm. it's a it's a much more analytical sport than something like USPSA which um you still need speed and coordination and those things you need that in both sports but in USPSA more so um with, with less on the analytical side and obviously it's the long more of like the athletes i think that like USPSA that, that that's more like something that a a gifted natural born athlete could excel at very well hand-eye coordination speed things you just said you know, you could take a really good hand-eye coordinated athlete and give them a gun and teach them how to shoot and shortly after they could they could get like kind of competitive yeah but i'll tell you i and that's what i thought coming into uspsa i said oh man all my all my years of playing offensive line i've got footwork um i, I can make this work and i walked into uspsa and i was a bull in a china shop I was I was overrunning shooting positions, overrunning boxes. I was trying to run as fast as I could. And in USPSA, you quickly realize it's it's not about running fast. 
it's about minimizing the time between shots. That's great. And th- they're two different things. Yeah. Um, sometimes getting out of a box or getting into a box as fast as you can isn't the way to go because, yeah, you got there, but now you're not ready to shoot. You're better taking more time transitioning between those two boxes, but arriving with the gun up and the sights on the target. Sure. And, yeah. and that, that, uh, that I had to learn that, and I learned it the hard way because I have a lot of videos of me coming into boxes, gravel going everywhere, and um, you know I, I honestly thought that it was like a thirty-yard dash, and in reality, uh, it's not. It's a different game. Right. Yeah. But like you, like you. Uh, first of all, let's take a pause for a sec. Beer section of the uh, of the show. What are you drinking? Oh uh, yeah, OMB Copper. OMB um, Copper. OMB is Old Mecklenburg Brewery. Okay. Old and, Mecklenburg. Uh, it's a, it's a favorite of mine. And I'm not normally a huge beer drinker. I'm normally more of a, a Jack and Coke guy. But yeah. I figured for this show, I had to have it's, a beer in my hand. So uh, yes, you do. Beer. Yes, sir. Uh, tonight, I am drinking, once again, a my one of my new favorites, uh, New Belgium 19, uh, Voodoo Ranger 1985. So I'm just really pissed about it because they're about to quit making it. They're doing like a limited run on them, and then they're quitting making them. I'm like, this is the best beer y'all fucking make. Like, so this how many is better than it's yeah i know I've, I've been buying out sheets like I, the only place i found them is sheets and then i'll go in i'll buy all three of the six packs they have in there and they're like i'll walk out of there with 40 dollars worth of beer and get 15 beers in my hand but i mean they're they're awesome <laughs> i love them man. i'm just pissed that i'm not gonna be able to get them all the time it's really the best new belgian beer they make out of all the voodoo rangers and everything this one is by far my favorite one so sorry for that continue on um so, yeah, you were like you said, it, it it takes grace, not so much power and, and, and like raw speed, because like you said, you come busting into a box, sliding in, sliding out. Your gun's not up. You're not settled. Everything you ate up time getting back on target, where as opposed to, I guess, if you took a methodical approach and coming in, like you said, gun up, everything in, you're you're getting that first shot off a lot faster. A lot of times you're taking your sh- first shot in a box before your second foot has hit the ground. Sure. So your first foot is in the box, and as you pick up your back foot off the ground, which is out of the box, as that foot's coming up, you're breaking your first shot before you even put your second foot down. Um, you know, that's 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 where the time is, and, and that's what separates – the good guys from the great guys, sure. um, people who are, and, and I was by no means great. I don't mean to suggest that, but, um, but I was okay. And, um, you know, a lot of people can shoot pistols well. Um, but the Not game, that the game is the last 10 or 15%. And, oh, yeah. um, that 10 or 15% is really hard to come by because oh, it's yeah. all speed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I am going to be completely honest. I am a fucking now, as far as if you put me in a bad situation, can I can I get out of it with a pistol? And I re- yeah, I'd like to think I could. But as far as doing any type of competitive shooting, I am fucking wretched with a pistol. Holy <laughs> shit, I am. Ho- I, that's something I need to just for my own sake, just to to get better at and practice that more. Is but you know, it's to me shooting pistol, and I know this is heresy to a lot of people. Shooting pistol is. I'm practicing something that is a skill that I need to have, not something that I have fun and enjoy doing. 
I'd rather be on the rifle. Yeah, I, I, that's fun to me. Even shooting 100 yard groups, uh, seeing how tight you can get that group, or whether it be, you know, just plinking at a plate at six, seven hundred, a thousand yards, whatever, or in our match setting, that that's fun to me. I, I literally, I don't think I can get my rocks off in shooting pistol. Uh, maybe if I got better at it, I'd enjoy it more. <laughs> maybe, it's, but it's fun. It, I mean, the, I love all the firearm sports. I mean, um, I, I had a great time shooting some rimfire steel challenge. I mean, yeah. that's that's a that's a fun one. Um, you know, I'm uh, I don't know. I think there's probably 50 or so people right now in the country in the one second club, and I'm one of them. Um, it's five what the shots. Fuck is that? in sub one second uh from the buzzer um three targets two 18 by 24 rectangles and a 12 inch circle and that's with um, what a rimfire pistol it's a rimfire pistol it's a something like eight yards or something i mean it's pretty close but it's, i don't care that's uh, still faster than shit from a buzzer five hits in sub second you know um i mean those those kind of things are fun um yeah, you know but it's a different amazing. kind of it's a different kind of uh, it's a different kind of sport, and, and they're all they're all different. I mean, the three gunners have skills that certainly we in the long range community don't have. Um, you know, they they've got all kinds of stuff. I mean, you watch Jerry Mitchell load a shotgun, and and yeah, it's a whole. You realize it's a whole new world out there. Um, you know, so they're all specialized sports. Um, yeah. I spent a lot of that, time in, in USPSA, but what I what I've come to love probably the most, and I love. I'm a huge fan of the Guardian matches. Huge, oh, huge, me too. Huge fan. Who isn't? I mean, they're yeah. they're the most fun. They're the most fun um, of all the matches. I, I shot the very first one, and for about four years, I think uh, I think at one point I was the only person who had shot every single Guardian match. But about four years, three or four years into the series, and then they started having them in Michigan and different places in the cross country, which is terrific. I just couldn't I couldn't continue my streak of making every match. Um, you know, and, um, uh, I finally won one at frontline, which I was pretty happy about. Um, yep. but, um, you know, I those are, I, was, was I there for that one? I think it might've been, yeah. I might've been there for that one. Yeah, that was what, 2017 or 18? Uh, no, I was 19, wasn't it? Yeah. Cause you, and okay. Phil yeah. Were, I was definitely there for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Phil was there teaching his. He yeah, the okay, the yeah, and, right, yeah, yep. that's when we went ate sushi, no, that's not when we ate sushi, because Phil wasn't with us, no, uh, I, I another one, at every match, so that, that yeah. means nothing well, to me, look, for everybody <laughs> who doesn't know, this man right here, I watched him put down, God knows how much sushi that night, oh my God, you fucking worked that shit, it was, it was impressive, it was really I, impressive, I love, it's, it's a, yeah. it's a daily part of life, I, I agree. I agree completely. I just can't fit that much in me. I would get sick. But uh, I, I love the Guardian matches. Uh, I do shoot some PRS and some NRL, some NRL 22. Uh, uh, you know, I've been I've been working with uh, Volcourts and Custom and coming up with some awesome. They've got some awesome, awesome Ruger 1022 base rifles that they make. Been shooting in, in Ruger and NRL 22. Brought home some brought home some wins and trophies with with those rifles in that series. Um, but my real favorite, my real passion is the team field matches. Um, oh, yeah. Chris, Chris Andrews and I shot our very first, uh, for either of us, match together at Mammoth in 2014 at Rock Castle. And I uh, haven't missed a Mammoth since. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, those ma- those matches are just, I mean, they're ball busters, but they're so much fun. And, and they're, they take, to me, they take precision rifle and add 10 other elements to it. 
sure. um, the the uh, the mental toughness element, the teamwork element. Um, I mean, you you never ever shoot well rested and focused. No. Uh, I've I've had people come and watch Mammoth, and they're like, I can't believe you missed that shot. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I've rocked 30 miles in the last two days and haven't slept in the last two nights, and it hasn't gotten above 10 degrees all weekend. I saw like, two targets down there. There was only one. <laughs> I picked the wrong one. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's it's a whole different challenge. It, it um, and uh, I just I just love those field matches. Um, now Chris Andrews is the match director. He uh, he is no longer my partner. <laughs> um, yeah. A little bit of so conflict of interest there. <laughs> I've been shooting with I've been shooting with Joe Burdick on that at that match, and then I shoot with Chris. At Joe Burdick's match, the Bushnell match that he puts on every year. Um, but I, I mean, the, the Guardian team match at GTI was awesome. I mean, all the team matches to That's me, they're right just. That's right in your wheelhouse. I mean, that, I that love, kind of match is right up your alley. I love those. Yeah, actually, I brought my brother to his first match ever uh, at that Guardian at that uh, Guardian team match at GTI. So that was his. How was uh, that facility? It's awesome. It's That's really what I've cool. Seen and heard, yeah. I mean, it, it, it gives you, you know, the shooting is the shooting. Um, it, so, but that we all enjoy the in, being in a cool environment and that's what it is. It's a cool environment. Oh yeah. I mean, like when stages start with you locked in a pitch black room that you got to feel your way out of, or, you know, climb up eight flights of stairs or rappel down a dark tube in, you know, under to, un, to an underground tube. Um, I mean like stuff like that, it's fun. And, um, you know, it, it adds a, it adds a twist to it. But again, to me, that the teamwork aspect, spotting for each other, communicating, planning, and working as an effective team uh, is 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 probably among my favorite parts of those matches. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I've been shooting been shooting six five Creedmoor the whole time. I'm not a I'm not a yeah, caliber you, jumper. No, you're um, not. You have shot six five Creedmoor as long as since, I've known you. Since since 2004, since my very first match in 2014, I've shot six five Creedmoor. I'm a I'm a big fan of consistency. Um, I've shot uh, other than the first year or so when I shot the old Burger uh, LRBTs. Uh, I've shot Burger 140 hybrids the entire time, and they've been flawless. Um, I have great bullet. Uh, they are this. They are my opinion the staple. I, I six, think they are six cool. and a half millimeter. And I don't. And I don't. Uh, I don't get a penny or discount or anything from them. Uh, I hope you're listening, Emil. <laughs> um, yeah. Amal Prass. That, that's good. Page and page and Amal Prass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I um, you know, I've been shooting Vortex the whole time, and I and I and I swear by them. Started with the PST Gen One family. And um, now I use Razor Gen Gen 2s uh, for most of my competition rifles, and I use Razor AMGs for the field matches. Um, I really use the Razor AMG because it's something like a pound and a half lighter, and if you're going to oh. cover 30 or 40 miles in a weekend, that pound and a half matters. Yeah, pound so, and a half for like 10 pounds. Yeah, I, 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 but I love that Vortex family. And I've shot KRGs the whole time, too. Um, I started with, a, um, started with an X-Ray. Um, one of the very, very, in fact, I, I was in the initial pre-order um, in 2014 or 15. And you had a blue um, x-ray, right? What's that? You had a blue x-ray, right? I did for a while, yep. Yeah, I remember uh, the blue one. And, and, um, and then I went to the Whiskey 3s and I didn't look back. I have five rifles in Whiskey 3s right now um, that uh, 
you know, they have the same length of pull. They have the same cheek rest. They have the same trigger placement. They have the same scope placement. So I can fall asleep and wake up behind a rifle, and I can't tell you whether I'm behind my Voodoo or whether I'm behind my 6.5 or whether I'm behind my 223 trainer. Um, the triggers are the same. The, 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 they're all KRG Whiskey 3s. They're all set up. And that chassis has so much flexibility and modularity to it, like a lot of the modern chassis do. I mean, um, you know, a lot of chassis companies have gotten pretty good at that. But that the KRGs are so adjustable and flexible um, that it's I have it just the way I want it, and I know how I want it. Um, I don't consider myself necessarily a well-balanced rifleman. You can put me behind a rifle that's not mine, and sometimes I I burp. Um, I'm not I'm not the kind of guy who's you know shot five thousand rifles over my years. Um, I've specialized in a caliber. I've specialized in a stock. I've specialized in a fitment, uh, and I and I love shooting it. Yeah, I've had I've had I think I've had more KRGs than I have of any other one particular brand of chassis. I'm just a chassis whore, admittedly. Uh, I mean, I've gone Bravo, Whiskey Three, Foundation, MPA, and now I've found myself my first MDT with the ACC, and, I, and I'm liking that. But I was honestly in that that last whiskey three for i think longer than anything else so far um like i have not even shot a single round with that acc yet like it has not fired since i've had, I've that. had a few others i've had an aics i've had a, i've had a couple of others that have come and gone um but i keep i keep gravitating back to the krgs and of course now i'm 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 such a big fan of the company and the product that uh, you know, now they put something out and I just call them and order five of them. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, Ju- Justin yes, is a, Justin's a good dude and they're, they're all good guys up there. I've, I've talked to them a couple of times and, and, and dealt with them and they are super duper helpful, knowledgeable. I mean, they're all, you know, they're all army, but they were all, uh, ODA them, guys, right? Yeah. Most of them were XSF guys. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, they they know how they know what they need. They know how to build a rifle. Um, and um, man, the stuff's just nice. Stuff. Have just you shot really the nice. Sodic rifle, like the action? Um, I've I've dry fired it, and that's about it. Uh, yeah. It's it's nice. It's really nice. Yep. Yeah. Now you're you know, you're running a an ARC. A Mazingfields. Yep. Mazingfields. Yep. That's why I, yep. I knew I knew I was one of the ARC actions. I can't you remember. Know, I, I went through a couple of actions. And to me, uh, the biggest difference in actions is whether or not I could open and close the bolt without disturbing the sight picture. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that's the only thing. I don't want to say that's the only thing that matters because you, you want it to feed and you want other things. But you can tune a lot of those and get them right. But like I had a Stiller for a long time. And I, I love the Stiller Spectre because it was the one piece rail. So you never lost sleep over whether your your rail was loose. I'd watch people all over the place have loose rails, and I never had to worry about it, and I liked that. But that Stiller Spectre, along with 90% of other custom actions in my experience, if you don't push that bolt handle straight forward, when you push it straight forward, it was beautiful. Glass. But if, you, if you have any side load or high or up or down load on that, um, it, it binds up. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, shooting on a flat range, I can eliminate that. I can run, I could run that stiller just as fast as any of my mossing fields on a flat range and just as consistently. But when you're shooting some of these matches like Mammoth or like PRS matches, you're not very often balanced and 
and and settled. You're you're shooting off all kinds of weird positions and yeah. off, you know off balance and yeah, on, and, standing on one foot with your yeah. thumb in your ass and then on a t- balance on a, a you know a needle or something like that and you're having to run yeah. the boat on it. You mean you, you don't always have the flexibility and um to do that. So I kept finding that I would go to close the bolt and I'd disturb the sight picture as I was closing the bolt and it was costing me time. So I went to shot show one year and I uh, I handled every action I could find. And the mausing field to me was the clear winner. It was the action that I could hold the action and I could hold the bolt with my other hand and I could force that bolt in any direction I wanted and it still slipped closed. Yeah, that's the way my nucleus sure is. That's what it does in person. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know it has this extractor and this ejector and this fancy uh, you know, cuts. And I mean, he's he's done a heck of a job with designing that. And I know there's a lot of features that I don't even appreciate. Now, and honestly, I don't care about them. To me, I bought the slickest, most consistent action that I could get my hands on. And that's why I bought the Mosinfield. Now, these are all DLC, though, right? Yep. 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 They yep. I mean, my my nucleus over there, I cannot complain one that thing has never let me down. That thing has been, like you said, any condition, you can put one o'clock pressure on the bolt handle. You can put it down at, at seven o'clock pressure. The bolt is going home. I mean, every time, and it just slips right through. My AI is that way. I mean, I, that, that's what I love about my AI is it, no matter what you do, you're not buying it. Now, where the AI does fall is bolt, lift, and close is, I mean, it's a three lug. It's the three lug. You know, yeah. and it, it's a heavier bolt lift, uh, you mm-hmm. know, and closed 60 degree stuff. Um, but as far as that, what you're talking about, I mean, both the mousing field, the nucleus, the the AI, that's one of the things, too. And that's why and I, a, a bighorn action is a phenomenal action. And they are when you run that bolt back and forth, it is smooth as butter, close, lift, super close. I mean, uh, super light. But. I have found I have handled enough bighorns that at any time I want to bind that thing, I can just put a little bit of pressure and boom, that bolt is locked up. And that's what I found in stillers and defiances and bighorns. And, um, you know, I've tried a bunch of different actions. And um, again, they're all good actions. They're They're all all great. You know, Um, I just I don't know that I'm always going to be smooth and accurate with my bolt throw. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I want an action that makes up for my own, my, my flaws. Yeah, make, make it dummy proof because there's times when we're on the clock that we're now dummies. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, yes. I mean, that's, that's just natural what it is. You know, there's, there's yep. going to be times where you're, you're a dummy running the bolt. And so make it dummy proof, you know? Yeah. So, yep. um, let's get into, let's get into a little bit of what, the main meat potatoes of why it's so awesome to have you on the podcast, Scott. And that is what now I'm going to put it, preface this with a disclaimer. Everything you're going to say from here on out is equally for me as it is for anybody else listening to this fucking podcast, because <laughs> that is, you know, if you, if it's me and you drink a couple of beers and you're like, Hey, run this stage. I could probably run it with zero issue whatsoever. Or if we're out, you know, playing horse with targets, you know, I won't be hanging right there with anybody. But when it comes to all the stresses of A, the clock, 
be of the what had happened before that stage, what had happened before even getting there, what it you know what are the maybe the last conversation you just had before it was your turn to shoot. What, yeah, oh, uh, my my dope was it seemed like it was two tenths low in the last stage. Any factor like that can literally just turn you into a downward spiral for the rest of your match or before your match even gets started. So the it mental aspect, does. yeah, the the yeah. mental aspect of the game is I think equally, if not more important than how good of a trigger puller you are. It it is. I I agree with you. Um, you know, I, I pride myself in a few things and I know I have a few flaws. Um, I, um, I'm not the greatest positional shooter in the world. I'm not the guy who's going to get the most stable on a bag. That's not my thing. I, I try, but I'm not good at it. Uh, offhand shooting is not my strength. Oh, I don't shit. In 2020, who, in 2020, <laughs> who is at this time, exactly. right? We're all shooting I, fucking 25 pound rifles and yeah. shit. <laughs> but you know, there, there's certain, there's some things I'm good at, um, you know, I, I come to matches prepared, sometimes to a fault, carrying too much stuff, but I'm always the guy who has a battery or a tool if you need it. Um, I'm pretty flawless with my, uh, and I'm, now as I say that, I'm going to have a problem, but I'm pretty good with my data management. Um, I've never been a Kestrel guy. I do all card data, and it's all well proven out mm. and, and consistent. You know, that's, to me, I call that a strength of mine um, and how I manage that. And yes, I consider my mental game a strength. Now, the mental game came from USPSA. Um, in these in these stages, you know, these stages are often 20 to 25 targets, two rounds per target, right? So you're talking about 40 or 50 rounds. You're talking about in the, in the limited in the, in the production class, you're talking a 10 round mag limit. So you're talking four plus reloads. A um, lot of movement. You have to know when you're going to reload. You have to know where you're going to move, what foot you're going to move first, what targets you're going to shoot in what order. It is incredibly easy to miss targets. It's incredibly easy to miss shooting positions. It's incredibly easy to miss reloads. So when I first got to USPSA, I realized that I was doing all of those things. I was getting to stages and not having reloaded, and I pulled two rounds and the slide locks back, and it's like, uh-oh, right? Yeah. Screw that pooch on that one. And, you know, visualization started, it became clear to me that everyone was visualizing. Um, and that that's a tool where, um, you know, you have a walkthrough time in USPSA, so they might give you five minutes. Um, you start in the start box and you rehearse the entire stage. And I will walk through for every minute of that five minutes. I'll walk through that stage maybe 10 or 15 times. Uh, air gunning it, you look like an idiot, but whatever, we all do it. Um, you practice your reloads, you practice your footwork, um, and you, you know, say pew pew to yourself every time you shoot <laughs> a target. And if you're, if you're really into it, then when that time is called off and the first person goes to shoot, if you're not the first person, you sit back and close your eyes and rehearse it some more. And right. you, uh, Close your eyes and you shoot the whole stage. Now, uh, everything I've learned is is I'm going to say th third order. Um, Lanny Basham wrote a book called With Winning in Mind, which mm -hmm. is quite literally uh, I don't care what shooting sport you participate in. Uh, it doesn't matter. You need to buy the book. You need to read yeah. it. You need to read it again and then read it a third time. Um, That's Lanny where I failed. I haven't Lanny read it a second and a third time. Unathletic human being in the world. 
Um, everyone made fun of him because he couldn't, you know, he was the last kid picked. Like they picked the cheerleaders before they picked him kind of guy. And yet he went on to win an Olympic gold medal in, in shooting sports. And he did it by really being determined and, and really uh, developing some techniques some mental techniques that then he went on to write about. Um, the book is phenomenal. As I said, if you shoot a shooting sport, please buy the book. And the, the next, the next person to take that book, um, was a, a shooting coach that I worked with a little bit named Steve Anderson. Um, and Steve specifically targets Lanny's teachings toward USPSA shooters. Uh, so I worked with Steve a bunch. I attended a bunch of his classes. I, I worked with him quite a bit, um, read all his books. Um, and that's when you find out things like um, f- from a from a rehearsal standpoint, you know, one of the things his, he used to say was, if you can't close your eyes and see every single target and every single shooting position and every single port you have to shoot through, if you can't shoot the entire stage in your head, and I don't just mean, uh, I think there's two targets off to the right. I mean, is the first target to the right 18 inches off the ground or 24 inches off the ground? Right. Is the top right corner of that target bent down? Um, you know, is the, is the stand a little rusty on the left leg? Right. You should see everything. And until you do, you're not ready to shoot. Now, you're not going to be ready to shoot when you first start out. And you're going to make all those mistakes. But I had a stage maybe a year or two after I started working with Steve. And I remember the buzzer going off. And all of a sudden, I was at the end of the stage. And I had the gun in my hand. And I had the sights on a target I had just double tapped in the A zone. And it was like I could close my eyes and tell you almost every shot that I broke and where it broke. I could tell you the two or three targets that I thought maybe I had thrown a Charlie or a Delta on. And I had rehearsed it so much that my brain just took me through the stage. Yeah. And, and at first it freaked me out. At first I was like, holy crap, I just ran around with a gun and I was apparently in another zip code. I had no oh, idea what happened. I can, I can one up you there. I, I think same thing happened to me driving from Greenville to Seymour Johnson. Like I did every day for four years and I woke up at the front gate. I was like, how the fuck did I get here? <laughs> the same thing. You rehearsed that so well that your brain just, your, your subconsciously, your brain, your brain didn't need your conscious mind to interfere. Your subconscious was just like, I got this. Just, mm-hmm. just tells your conscious brain, just go away and do something else. Right. The trick is you have to give your conscious brain a job so that it doesn't interfere. And your conscious brain's job has to be to call every shot. So what that means is calling a shot is when the shot breaks and the sight starts to move because the gun is starting to recoil. Where is that sight picture? Right. So if you task your conscious mind. And say, when I sh- when this stage starts, when the buzzer goes off, only thing I need to think about is calling the shot. You're no longer shooting. You're watching yourself shoot. Right. And there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. You're, not the, you're not thinking about your trigger press. You're not thinking about your reload. You're not thinking about your footwork. That was all determined in the walkthroughs 
and in the rehearsals that you did in your mentor. practice, your practice yeah. to, to burn those neural pathways yeah. and then making those things be a second like breathing. You don't think about breathing. You just yeah. do it. And the, so that trigger press needs to be the same way. And, and I could get to the I got to the point where I was shooting USPSA a lot that I'd get up to the to the start box. And, you know, it's a, uh, you know, make ready. Well, he can't start you until you've completed that make ready phase. And I would always take 30 seconds and I'd close my eyes and I would shoot the entire stage one more time in my head. And if I could close my eyes and see that whole stage, I knew I was good. And that was a huge confidence boost because at mm-hmm. that very moment I was like, OK, I'm ready to shoot. Call my shots, call my shots, call my shots. That's all I got to do. Call my shots. And you start realizing you get to the end of the stage and you have the only thing your conscious mind has done is call the shots and your subconscious has driven you around and done everything that you needed to do because you programmed it. You, you, you made the video and your subconscious just went, Oh, okay, I'll play the video. I'll do that. Yeah. It's, as I said, it's, it's freaky when it works and it's, it's scary. It scared me. Like I literally thought about not shooting the next stage because I was, I was trying to figure out how I could possibly have been safe while I was not in my own mind that way. Right. But, um, but it works. It works phenomenally well. And that's just a part of the mental game, but that's, that's the, that's one of the parts to it. Um, and that translates to long range rifle shooting beautifully. Now there's a few things like making corrections that you have to do. But if you task yourself with call, if you task yourself in a long range shot, long range match with calling your shot and seeing your impacts. Yeah. Looking, looking through recoil, using your natural point of aim and your recoil management to be able to then see that that data coming back to you. And and, and if you program yourself that seeing that impact is important, um, then I don't think about my trigger press. When I when I shoot matches, I don't shoot a, think about my bolt running. Um, I don't think about a lot of the other parts of the stage. Sometimes I don't even think about adjusting my data. I just find myself find that I've reached up and done it. Um, but before that stage is off, I'm off to the side and I'm thinking to myself what that stage calls for. Um, and I have a couple other things I do. Uh, you'll always see me get up as close to the line as I can to the shooting position um, because I need to see what the target looks like from the shooting position. Because if I haven't done that, if I haven't seen the two or three or one target from the shooting position, then I'm not ready to shoot because mm-hmm. I haven't I can't imprint that. Mm-hmm. So you'll always see me if you know. sometimes I'll bring a little uh, vortex monocular with me. Uh, I'm always the guy who gets up there and I mean, I get to the right height. If it's a prone stage, I'm going to try to get down. I'm going to make sure, you know, what am I going to see? What angle am I going to see the tree next to it at so that I can reference that tree to move from my my second target? You'll see me like crouch down sometimes going first target, second target, third target. And I'm taking the monocular. I'm tracing from target to target. First, second, third, first, second, third first second third and and what i find that does is you know i think to myself shoot impact shoot impact move to the next target shoot impact shoot impact move and what i find is when the stage starts after my second hit on target 
all of a sudden my scope's on the next target. Because my brain just goes, oh, yeah, that was the second one. I know where to go. Right. It's, man, your brain is a powerful, 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 powerful thing. And, um, you know, when I played football, like in high school, there was no mental game. We just had coaches who yelled at you to try harder. You know what yeah. I mean? That was that was it. Just hurt the person in front of you. Yeah, I was never a, I was never a believer in that stuff. Um, I was never when I did cage fighting, I did mixed martial arts. I, I was never a believer in that. Just just try harder. Just punch harder. Just have a tougher chin. You'll be OK. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just yeah. work harder. And and I got to the shooting sports and it was like, oh. Oh, this stuff matters, like matters a lot. So, um, um, you know, and I have, I have little things that I do just to get in the zone. Um, when I walk into a shooting box, one of my, one of my things is I start from the buttstock to the muzzle and I touch everything. So I'll touch every adjuster and I, and I'm always the guy at front line. You know, one of the ROs is like, Oh, okay. We're going to take 30 seconds. Wait for Whitehead to be ready. Yep. Yes, you are. Yeah. Cause I step in the box and that's my time. Right. And I'm going to take my 20 seconds and I'm going to touch my elevation knob and my windage knob and my focus and my parallax. And I'm going to make sure that my scope caps are off and I'm going to make sure my bolt knob is where I want it. And I'm going to make sure the mag is seated and I'm going to make sure my cheek rest is locked. And I'm going to do all those things. And it's it's number one, prevented a lot of mistakes because sure. every one of us. I've, I've probably made all of those mistakes. Okay. Yeah. And, and and I don't. I don't, uh, I've almost eliminated those, God, knock on wood. I've almost eliminated those by having that process. When I step into that box, I go from the back of the rifle to the front and I touch everything. Do I want my elevation turret locked? Do I want my windage turret locked? Is my dope where I want it? You know, um, and man, I've found plenty of times where it's like, oh yeah, I'm a rev off or Oh yeah, my uh, my my dope my dope is peeling off, or my uh, my parallax is still at 100 yards from the last stage, and it should be at 800. You know, um, so that's kind of a, an error proofing thing, but it's also part of the mental game because it's it's part of my process. It's a checklist. Follow my process, then I do well. Yeah, and and that uh, that the, with the, the book uh, with shooting in mind that goes into he he I, I feel like the that book and with winning in my uh, the shooters what is it uh um mental marksmanship mental yeah. mark I, I misspoke mental mental marksmanship and with winning in mind I feel like both of those books parallel so well and because they have so many things that are similar to each other that. Well, hell, if both of these people are saying that these things are important, then by God, who the fuck am I to question that? And uh, one of those things is have your checklist to where you you never miss your checklist. If mm-hmm. everything is on your checklist, including at the house the Thursday before the match or, sure. or whatever. Make yep. it be if you want it to be the Monday before the match. Make sure you got all your ammo loaded, all your, all this stuff, and then have a, a secondary last minute checklist on Thursday. And it, it's however you want it, but make sure that it's kind of fail proof and then stick to it and do it. And then even especially with a, <clears throat> a uh, shot process, have that checklist and then and hit that checklist every time. Like you said, I can't tell how many yeah. times. I've had wrong doped out on. I've had my bipod been at a wrong height. And, and and the checklist is important because it prevents the mistakes. 
But the checklist is just as important because it's part of my process and it brings me home. It brings me to where I need to be when I shoot. So if five minutes before someone was calling me fat or someone was behind me making a joke or someone was doing whatever, right? I mean, just all kinds of stuff that goes on, right? When all that stuff happens, your mind goes elsewhere. The worst thing is the guy who's standing next to you who just shot the stage who wants to tell you all about how bad he screwed it up. Right. Right. Yeah. And those are the guys I want to punch out. Just shut the hell up. I don't want to hear about your junk. I don't care. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. Good for you. Right. Go back and think about it and then get it out of your head because it's over and you work on your next stage. Meanwhile, I'm working on this stage. So shut up. Right. Right. And, um, and sometimes, and, and I'm, and I'm that guy sometimes, like I'm not perfect, but I try right. not to, be, and I hate it when someone else is. So I understand that I try not yeah. to be, oh, yeah. that I should try not to be right. Um, but, um, you know, uh, but, but that, that mental process is huge. Um, the, the visualization and, and, and letting your subconscious handle a lot of those tasks is huge. Um, when I dry fire, I see every impact. When I dry fire on a paper target, I see every impact. Now there's yep. no impacts, right? right? But I don't tell my brain that when I dry, you fire, see a target swing, you see a I target see a swing target every yeah. time I see a hole, I see a, a, a mark appear on every target in my mind. And I don't run the bolt until I do. A huge part of my dry fire is, is, you know, prep, click, wait, impact. Okay, where did it hit? If I'm dry firing and you're standing over my shoulder, as I'm running the bolt for my next shot, you can ask me anytime you want, where did that hit go? And I'll tell you. I'll tell right. you exactly where the shot broke and and where I imagined the shot going. Right. Um, because that's part of the process. And what I see is um, I've had people ask, how do you spot your hits? And I'm not the world's best at spotting hits. I wish I was. My recoil management's poor. My NPA is poor. Well, but, you're still shooting 6.5 Creedmoor. You need to get on the Dasher train. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm shooting it. I mean, and my rifle, my heavy rifle is like 19 pounds. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm like a full six pounds out of the, the cool kid zone. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I don't always see everything I want to see. But it's not for effort. It's not for lack of effort. And it's not for lack of focus. I see a lot of people, you know, who say they never spot their hits. And then you watch them dry fire. And the second the thing goes click, they're reaching for the bolt knob. Yeah. Well, that, that's why you haven't programmed yourself to look. To look for and the don't hit. say, oh, but I'll do that in the match. Because if you didn't practice it, no, you won't. Right. Yeah. That 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 is uh, not necessarily with the dry fire, but I'm talking about as far as just shooting in general. When you're shooting these matches, that is the single, probably the single most important thing to to master is the seeing your own shot. I mean, that, how, how can you you're pissing in the wind otherwise? If, if I could be 50 percent better at seeing my shots or 50 percent better at calling wind, I would choose seeing my shots. Yep, because you can always get that set follow up impact if you well, can, yep. you know. <laughs> Yep. You can always get that follow-up impact. You screw the pooch, and sometimes it has nothing to do with you. You know, we, we have all these. Uh, there's all these discussions among among a lot of shooters about sun, and and affecting uh, the way the light travels to your eyes, and 
and you know you, you go to a place like um i mean a lot of these ranges um shannon's range you go you try to shoot on that left hand uh covered shooting position that prone shooting position out to 1200 and if you shoot in that position from uh 10 a.m to 2 p.m 11 11 a.m to 2 p.m maybe just put two tenths more on the gun than you think you need because you will be two tenths low i guarantee it every time it's it has it's it's not that the ranges are wrong the sun just messes with you there the sun messes with you in a lot of places there are there are times when you're not possibly going to be able to make a wind call when you're shooting across a canyon and the air is swirling and coming up the sides of the canyon and make your best shot pull the trigger and and see where it goes trust the bullet i had that happen to me in virginia uh, on a stage it's a long range stage in fact i had just shot two stages before that equal distances and this is out to i think the the first stage of the day I had shot out to a thousand and then the the two stages later, uh, which was later in the later in the morning because we got a late start. Uh, it went out to, I think, uh, like eleven hundred or something like that. I was I zeroed it. I had just got like an, a seven or an eight two stages prior in the same distances and shooting the same direction. In fact, some of the targets were next to each other from the two stages, but I had moved over and it's all prone. I had, I was, I, the RO said, dude, you were exactly a mil high, a half a mil high on everything. Dope was dialed perfectly. I thought, I started quite sec- I was like, did my gun just speed up or some shit? Like, what just happened? How am I a mil, a half a mil high on everything? And uh, just so happened, um, Aaron Hip, he was shooting that match. And we, we talked about it on the podcast here when I had him on. He did the same thing on the same stage, and he went back later that afternoon when the sun conditions changed, put his old dope back on, and just just center punched him the whole way out. It was a light. If you're not if you're not paying attention to what the sun is doing, and what the range is trending when you shoot hundred yard zeros, you're gonna be off. Yeah. I mean that that's that's you know I mean I've had times where I've shot a hundred yard zero and I'm like oh man what's wrong with my gun, and you're in blazing sunlight, and and then the, the the clouds roll in and I'm like, I'm going to shoot one more group. And I shoot this tiny little group right in the center. It's like, well, right. what happened? Well, the light is what happened. So, you know, there, and, and I, and all, this all just comes back to the fact that, you know, it's important to be able to spot those shots and there's numerous reasons. Uh, and we've all got stories behind that. Uh, unfortunately I can't, and I don't know of anybody who can look at an environment and with any level of, certainty uh, predict certainty predict what's going to happen we just yeah. most of us can't um you know so um i think keith baker said he told cl they, he was cl was was roing um the match at frontline back in was it february the uh the one that was colder and shit where it snowed um he was roing for keith baker's squad and they were talking about that because they were experiencing that on a stage and Keith said something to the effect of if the sun's up, the bullet's up. So it's something as uh, so I guess when the sun's at the highest, the bullet goes higher or something like that. Yeah, I, I think it has to do with the heating of the ground and the, and the temperature gradient from the ground into the air. Um, yeah. You'll notice that if you're shooting very close to the ground, not even if you're shooting, because it doesn't matter the path of the bullet. It matters, it matters the path of the light right. uh, to your eye. But if that path is very close to the ground then you're much more like like all the way to the target, then uh, you're much more likely to have a problem. 
you're much less likely to have a problem if you're shooting from an elevated position to an elevated position because right. there's no the, the ground is so far away from your line of sight that you there's no disturbance from the ground in your I mean, eye. We had a textbook example of it. Did you shoot the North Carolina Virginia match that was at Woody's? No. Um, Four years, three, four years I ago. Shot, the only the only time I've shot at Woody's was the Guardian at Woody's. Well, Woody's um, doesn't tend to have the issue, but Paul's range often does, frontline. And um, I was shooting in, in Paul's squad, and we got up into the second story of the of the the house up there. It's mm-hmm. all prone shooting. It's all textbook thousand, you know, seven hundred to thousand yard stuff. Yeah, that and tall grass berm eats your bullet up. You don't Paul, hit that target. You got no idea where that shit yeah. is. But, you know, Paul got up there and he was, I forget whether he was two tenths high or two tenths low, the whole way out. I mean, every, the whole way out. And the next guy, another one of Paul's guys, right, got out there and was two, the two tenths in the same direction all the way out. And and that's a, that's a match where you all coach each other and you all spot for each other. And your squad score is the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter your individual score. It matters your squad score. So we're mm-hmm. all trying to help each other, right? And the third person comes up. And it's another one of Paul's guys. And I'm standing there calling for him. And I said, I don't remember if it was up or down, right? But I just said, hold two tenths low for me everywhere. What? What? Hold two tenths low. And he ran the stage all the way out, 10 for 10. And and I told him, I'm like, you, you guys all shot together recently, didn't you? And Paul's like, yeah, we all got together and, and zeroed and trued our, our data together two days ago. I'm like, that's the problem. You all shot under the same conditions. You all picked up that same shift and brought it here with you. Right. And it was it was freaky how predictable it was. No one else had the problem that day because that elevated position, you don't get the shift when you're shooting out of Woody's Woody's house. But at Paul's range, you sometimes do. So, um, yeah, you got to be able to see your shots. It's a big part of the game. Um, But I mean, the mental game, going back to that. you know, I, I, I laughed and I, and I made, uh, I'm an engineer. Sorry. No, I, got I, notes. I knew you were going to have notes right? before we even started this shit. And I want to read you back two quotes of yours. In episode two, you talked about a stage where you said, I am my own worst enemy. It's like watching a train wreck. That's not how you play the mental game. Absolutely. Correct. 100% correct. That's horrible. And, yeah. So when a stage is over, you can no longer impact the result of the stage. It's over. Right. It's done. You can right? learn from it. Learn from it. Move on. Right. The end of that stage. What did I do? Well, what do I need to work on? OK, now it's time to go to the next stage. It's over. It's done. And if you convince yourself that you're watching a train wreck, then you will continue to watch a train wreck. Yeah. Or be a train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I laughed at you also in episode four. <laughs> yeah. I listen, I take notes. You talked about a match that you were going to, and you said your goal was to go and not make any boneheaded moves. And you said you did that. You didn't make any boneheaded moves, but you shot like shit and the match was a failure. Now, if your goal was to go to the match and not make any boneheaded moves, and you didn't make any boneheaded moves. That was a success. Yeah. That was a complete success. You did what you set out to do. Yeah. Right? Set attainable goals. So that wasn't a failure. And it's those kind of things that, like, 
that you that I, I catch people in, but I sometimes catch myself in and other people catch me in. It's hard to look at yourself and catch these things. It's hard. It's real easy to see it in other people. Mm-hmm. So one of the best things and one of the reasons that I've shot with Chris Andrews all these years is that we don't put up with that shit with each other. I don't put up with it with him and he doesn't put up with it with me. And when you have a partner like that who will shut you up, shut you down in a hurry. And he doesn't even I don't, sometimes I don't even think he understands what he's doing. He just knows it's the right thing to do. I'm the guy who studied the mental game. He hasn't. But he's picked it up and he understands it. Right. Um, if you go to a match with a goal and you complete the goal, then the match was a success. Right. You did what you set out to do. Yeah. That goes back to the setting the goals that are that are performance oriented instead of result oriented. You can't control what the result yes. is, but you can control how you perform. The only thing that should be in your goal statement is things you have direct control over. You don't have direct control over who shows up. Mm-hmm. If I show up to the match and I say, I'm going to win this match. And then Dave Preston and Tyler Painter in my squad. Uh, guess what? I'm not winning the match. Uh, I can hope for third. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Right. But um, that's so that's not a good goal because it's not in my control. But if your goal uh, was to see 80 percent of your impacts or misses and you obtain that. That's that's that. And if you do that, then guess what? Your chances of your six of your placement are a lot higher than they would have been. You, you are exactly right. You are exactly right. So take all those things and put them together. Visualize your stuff. Keep your mind right. Have a goal statement that you that you're willing to follow. You're willing to stick to willing to hold yourself to whether it goes well or not. Then those then those are all elements to this to your success. Um, You know, one other thing Steve says that I love, I I love this quote is you can only shoot to your current level of skill. What that means is don't go and don't go to the match and try harder. Go to the match to shoot the way you can shoot. Mm -hmm. Practice is the time to get better. Right. The match is the time to take the level of skill you have and and display it. And I don't mean to other people. I mean, ex- execute it. Do it. Right. Right. Yeah. You, there's no real. Rudy moments. You know, it's there's real. no like Rocky coming through with that exactly. coming back from behind to win. And it, yeah. Know. Not, the the movie it. where like the race car driver's like, oh, I've never done this move before, but I'm going to try it in the race. And I'm going to. No, no. uh uh-uh. Don't work that way. Right. You're going to have a bad time. Yeah. <laughs> the, the goal is to take the level of skill you've acquired. And and execute it. Seamlessly. Right. And, and, and that level of skill will take you as far as it takes you. And now I, I don't I don't go to a match and think that if I just concentrate really really hard i'm gonna outshoot dave preston it's not gonna happen right um but i know that i can i I need to shoot as well as i can shoot all right well that's where we lost uh connection via internet my i don't know what the hell happened to my internet but uh skype 
when we get disconnected, I couldn't get reconnected. Skype basically, it looked like I didn't, it, the video did not record and I couldn't get, well, it recorded, but it, it didn't save. So luckily I just happened to jump on Skype today and just to play around with something and saw, boom, there it was. So luckily we have it. Um, so you got 56 minutes or so with Scott. Uh, you know, we were going to record it, re-record it again at another date, but it just, it never worked. It would have been fine, but it just never works out when re-recording because nothing seems organic. It feels like, you know, you hit good points and you want to make sure you hit them again. It doesn't, it just never works out good. Um, but I've good thing. We, uh, got it back up. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you can tell that, uh, you'll remember that this is actually the first time that I have ever, um, re-recorded or recorded something and added it to a track. So, um, glad that worked out and I got this figured out because as of 30 minutes ago, I didn't know how to do this, but anyway, we got it figured out and, um, Stay tuned next week. I've got uh, Josh Coons. I talked with Josh last night, and he wants to come on next week. He's got some stuff coming down the pike. It'll be really cool. So I'm uh, going to have him on. And then September 1st, keep a lookout. I'll, when I find out more details, I'll um, I'll post up either on uh, Instagram or Facebook. But I'm supposed to be on with uh, Kalen Wojcik, Phil Vallejo, Jacob Bynum, Frank Galley, and I think a couple competitors in the Assassin's Way. We're going to be going over kind of like a big collection conference podcast via uh, Facebook Live, I believe. I think that's how they did it last time. And Jacob wanted me to come on for this one, which would be really cool. I was really honored to do so. And uh, also, um, a little, I don't know if I mentioned it in the last podcast, but um, you need to check out Soft Bad Monkey on uh, it's now on podbean i thought it was just on soundcloud but it's actually on podbean as well so um i'm gonna be on that in the next few weeks or so uh it'll be really cool really excited because i've been a long time listening to those guys anyway uh appreciate y'all appreciate the support and uh stay tuned for next week thanks guys